Hey there, folks. It's another episode of The Creature Compendium. Let's roll that intro. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Creature Compendium, a podcast celebrating original species and creatures from science fiction, fantasy, and so much more. Today, I'm your lead host, talking about the Lord of the Rings creatures, Ents. Today, my co-host will be... Uh, I'm Gio. Uh, uh, trees. That was good. I'm Anthony <laughs> Lopez, and um, I'm here, and the horses are in the back. I don't understand what either of your guys' bits were there. The horses on the back. Oh, yeah. That's very topical. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a hot new song right now. Yeah. Got the horses in the bike. Right, okay. Well, okay. I'm not hip, so I don't know anything about that. Not Let hip, me tell you're not you. a hip-hop-potamus? The hip-hop-potamus is not going to flow with listeners. I'm uh, sorry. What about the other one? The the rhinoceros also. this These don't have a lot to do with ants, I got to say. <laughs> no, they don't. No, yeah. they don't. But, uh, but uh, ants. Yeah. All right. So this episode today, we're going to be talking about ants, which for those of you do- who do not know, they are creatures within the Lord of the Rings universe. Uh, they're essentially just sentient giant tree people. Uh, so I figured we'd start today similarly to how we have in the past and sort of get a feel for uh, what everyone knows about Ents and what their uh, kind of basic research was for today, I suppose. So uh, let's start with you, Anthony. Yeah, so I definitely went back and rewatched uh, The Two Towers, which is the, the second of the three Lord of the Rings movies that Peter Jackson did. Right, and being the one that has the most presence of the Ents, for sure. Definitely, yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of them in the third movie in the beginning. Very very small amount. Yeah, it's, it's like a tiny, tiny part. They really don't have a lot of influence on what happens in that movie. So Almost none. Yeah, no. So I rewatched that one, and then I own copies of the Lord of the Rings books, but also the Silmarillion, which... Right. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Silmarillion is kind of like a a gigantic his- encyclopedia. Kind yeah, of. it's like an appendix. It's, thing. Yeah, it's almost like yeah. a historical retelling of everything that happened prior to Lord of the Rings. It's not a thrilling read. No, no, it's very, very dense. Yeah, it, it's like reading a textbook basically. And every character's name is different by one letter. Yeah, which is hard, uh, impossible. Yeah. So I tried looking at a few things about uh, just some of the related. Uh, characters okay. like influencing the origin of the ants sure. and also did like some good research online just digging up uh, sure so real research has been done yeah real research has been done all right and yes. ants, you went to ants.com uh i went and actually visited the ants holy you crap you okay well there is an actual um statue that tim tolkien jrr's like grandson or something uh. has built and d- it's a statue of Treebeard somewhere in like norway what I think. The hell? you went to it's- norway for this yeah, I traveled Damn. all the way to Norway. Damn, I only read online. You bought a plane ticket. Yeah, I learned nothing from the statue. Oh, that's disappointing. Well, it's just... Dis- Wait, seriously, they made a gigantic statue yeah, of Treebeard? Tim Tolkien. Is this Christopher Tolkien's son? Or? I think so. I th- I'm pretty sure it's Tim Tolkien. I, I apologize to the Tolkien family if I have screwed up your lineages. Yeah, I know you guys are you're, you guys are big fans of this this pod, but... I'm really sorry about point. my friend Hawkins here. Doesn't remember your your name, Tim. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim. Or Tom or Tony. That's sweet, though. That's yeah. sweet. Okay, so there's a giant statue of Ents. Um, yeah. So there's some presence of them in the real world. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that was basically the bulk of my research is cool. just going to some of the, definitely the movie, which is like the biggest yeah. uh, 
the source I could go to. The biggest anchor in pop culture, I would say. Yeah. Definitely. And then it, just a few side things gotcha. that are a little bit of a deeper dive. Yeah. How okay. about you, Gio? Uh, this time I did the nothing. I am. I. 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 I, I uh, stayed home and I did not watch, read, absorb any tree information. That's good. Yeah. Um. So going into this, mm-hmm. then. I'm sure you've seen the Lord yes. of the Rings yeah, films I, I have previously. Seen it. Let me put it that way. Um, so let's start with uh, what do you remember about the trees? Like, what were the most salient things that uh, experiencing these as a younger person? Like, right. what do you remember? What what held what, fast? I, what I actually remember the most was like were like the trees fighting um, the the orcs and the Urukai and like basically like like breaking, after Helm's Deep. Yeah, yeah, and okay. like breaking the the dam and stuff. And, and okay, so yeah, the, the, the battle at Isengard. Yeah, the battle at Isengard. Gotcha. Okay. Because there's also like a secondary sort of thing where they're not Ents, but the trees like move to Helm's Deep. Mm. Um, but I, we'll try to get to that at some point. So uh, basically the Ents uh, as a species, they're essentially just sentient trees. So if we go back to like the inception of how Ents become a part of this world, uh, they're created at the same time, uh, more or less, as all of the other major creatures in mm. Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth. Um and so there's all of this crazy backstory that Tolkien wrote in the Silmarillion and these appendices about how the world came to be that they're, they're not really particularly relevant for Lord of the Rings and the stories that actually happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but essentially what happened was one of the god deity people created the dwarves and the dwarves were kind of aggressive in how they approach the world and they are creating and they're crafting and stuff. And so another one of the gods looked at the creation of the dwarves and was like, oh, well, they're destroying all the trees in nature and stuff we've got to do something to defend nature and so they create the ants as sort of a counterbalance to prevent the forests from being too destroyed um which it's like a natural like reaction yeah exactly it's just kind of like you need something to fight back against Mm -hmm. the powers it just keeps the world in more of a balanced state which you know makes sense especially if you're playing god like you don't want to let one of your creations just sprint right through a different one of the creations you know um yeah, no, that's 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 pretty much like a lot of the stuff that I was seeing too. Right. Um, but I think one of the most interesting things about the Ents compared to all of these other races within the Lord of the Rings, you sure. know, the, these other races and species, uh, while they may be affiliated with certain elements of the world, okay, the Ents very much feel like the most direct manifestation of their associated element and so you know yeah, for they're, sure they're very in touch with nature and they are literally walking yeah, talking trees they're literally like walking nature <laughs> yeah yeah exactly which is super cool because you have you know the elves who are in touch with nature but the ants are literally nature yeah and i think the creature that they end up being the most tied to throughout history in middle earth is more or less the elves um one of the things that uh treebeard specifically says in the books is that initially the ants don't really speak they speak their own form of language which is mm-hmm. entish where they used to talk to each other and they talk to the trees that are like more sentient um but they don't know how to speak english or elvis elvish mm-hmm. um and so the uh elves taught the uh ants how to speak and i think the way treebeard describes is that he brings the, the elves bring the dumbness out of the uh, ants by teaching them how to speak <laughs> elvish essentially wow. okay. yeah like he basically says like we were dumb until yeah. the elves taught us how to speak well, right is there a question is there any actually like portrayal of entish in the books or in the similar like any any of the uh expanded um, material i don't know that we ever really like hear yeah. it written out like, I think is, it, is it like a verbal language or do they communicate yeah it is a verbal language uh-huh. um it, it's a lot of like imagine the sounds of like 
trees groaning and creaking in the wind. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that that's sort of how it how they portray it throughout the movies. And there are parts of the books where they also describe right. like from the point of view of the main characters, the fellowship. Yeah. No, because from my understanding, like a a big thing about Tolkien was he was like a linguist. And and like like yeah. he wrote he he like he made created the whole Elvis the, language. The, the, the language. I was wondering if there was any elements of linguistics in there. Um not particularly right. that I ever picked mm-hmm. up on at least it's kind of like they speak it but only the ants and the other sort right. of similar trees can understand the language yeah um so there's the the ants themselves can speak other languages so they can speak right english i don't know i don't even know if in middle earth it's called english but they can speak elvish and the language that we understand as english um outside of being able to speak entish right one of the big things though about the language which is super interesting even though you know the elves kind of uh bring them knowledge right. and stuff like that when they are speaking to one another when they are using their traditional like entish language it is slow as hell yeah. oh yeah for sure um that's like the one thing that Treebeard keeps repeating throughout his time like on screen for us is mm-hmm. don't be hasty um that's kind of yeah, like his that's one tagline I remember. yeah yeah and um so the Ents are very much about moving slowly and kind of as we experience them through their story in the two towers, the Merry and Pippin bring all of the Ents together essentially for the Entmoot, which is kind of the first gathering of all the Ents in a very long time for them to actually have to decide whether or not they want to do something. That's cool. And so they gather at like this big rock with, it has a silly name that I can't remember what it is. It's like Derwindale or something along those lines. Um, Anthony's going to see if he can find what it is. But basically all the Ents just gather together and they spend time talking. Uh, trying to decide what they should do about um, Isengard and Saruman and like whether they should act against them. Um, so at the end, in the movies, it's a little bit um, more aggressive in how it happens. But basically, Merry and Pippin are there and they they hang out for like a full day. And Treebeard finally turns around at the end of the day and is like, all right, well, we just finished saying good morning. And Mary's like, <laughs> well, what the hell? Like, we've been here all day. It's not even morning anymore. Like, that's how slow they speak throughout right. this whole thing. Uh, that the ends are just like very well like they're very slowly paced creatures who don't need to rush through anything in large part because of how long their lives are so that they have more Mm -hmm. time to spend on all of these things right and uh, maybe for people who are a little more unfamiliar Mm -hmm. without getting too deep into it right a lot of the events of the two towers are uh very very stressful like there's a lot of building anxiety towards what will become open conflict and not just the return of the king the third you know iteration of this story but you know at the climax of the two towers itself especially with like the battle at helm's deep and everything like that and so a lot of the conflict that mary and pippin who are two of the hobbits that were initial members of the fellowship they basically spend the two towers off on their own and in fangcorn forest where all or at least all the ends we see are mm-hmm. yeah um well i think that is most of the ends the ends have basically been disappearing over time and this is what remains is in fangorn and treebeard it being their leader is able to summon more or less all of them right right, right. and so there is definitely this... is, is that all that we know of ends like existing as far as like just in fanghorn forest i mean it doesn't like doesn't uh, explicitly yeah so basically the ends have been dwindling very much right. over time um initially when middle earth was created in like the first age and everything like the forests were much more pervasive throughout this mm-hmm. world um so they describe uh treebeard's region as basically being from the shire all the way to fangorn which uh. if you're familiar with the map of middle earth that's a very yeah. large space um and at this point where we are in the two towers in lord of the rings as a series uh fangorn has become very small especially if you're watching the story you can see that isengard and saruman have started chopping into fangorn yeah. and destroying it which is kind of 
the big inciting inf- incident for the Ents that gets them off their asses and makes them go, oh, shit, we've actually got to participate in this fight, unfortunately. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that sense of urgency is very obvious. And it, it it's a good contrast to just the natural behaviors of the Ents. You know, they're having yeah. this Ent moot. And I looked it up. Uh, at a dell in the forest, the Ent moot is hosted at Derndingle. 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 Yes. Okay. Derwindale was too generous. Yeah. Derndingle. Derndingle is very a killer name. Yeah. Yeah, you really shouldn't be using Dingle in the yeah. name of anything at this point. Dern Dingleberry. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's this very tense moment where Mary and Pippin are aware of the conflict happening in Middle-earth. It, yeah. You know, they have just escaped captivity. Yeah. And there are these gigantic walking, talking trees that... Yeah, they're going to try to eat them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's actually an interesting thing. If you watch, like, the first interaction with Treebeard, like... It's Mary and Pippin like running away. Well, this is in the movie, not in the yeah. book. It's Mary and Pippin running away from this one particular orc who's been chasing them and like is vindictive towards them in particular. And they climb onto this tree. And it turns out the tree is, of course, Treebeard. Yeah. But Mary falls off the tree. The orc yanks him down and the orc is about to stab him. And Treebeard just wakes up and crunches, steps right on this orc and just obliterates him. But it's interesting that we see the uh, the Ents as being someone that are supposed to be hasty, and our introduction to Treebeard is like a flash instant of him deciding, oh, I'm going to fucking crush this orc. Yeah. Like, it's it happens very abruptly. Yeah, that's a... Actually, that's a really good point. Yeah, and, like, it's it's super convenient to the plot because exactly. it's like, yeah. oh, our hero, or one of our heroes, is still alive, and oh, cool, he got out of the scrape. Yeah. Now we can deal with the big talking tree. Yeah. But yeah. why in the world would Treebeard just automatically yeah. think, like, oh, I'm going to crush this thing and not both of them? Right. Exactly. Especially it, because then he proceeds to be like, oh, are you guys orcs like he thinks mary and pippin are orcs too and so like for for conveniences of the plot of course he's very thoughtful and slow about how to Mm -hmm. treat mary and pippin but the orc that's right in front of him that's about to attack mary he's not thoughtful and slow about he just kills it he would if 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 it followed the logic he would have just like watched the you know or like asked like what are you guys doing exactly but but it is like a very cinematic way to introduce like this aspect of his like lumbering power yeah especially because uh contrasting to the book i think one of the maybe not one of the biggest places where peter jackson's interpretation diverts from uh tolkien's actual uh source material mm-hmm. but the way that the answer utilized is i think pretty different especially in the way they're introduced there's no like conflict like that mary and pippin kind of just run into fangorn forest and they bump into treebeard at some point like there's no like initial conflict where like oh treebeard has to save them it's just like oh, uh, here's a tree guy that found us and he's kind of weird, but okay, we'll yeah. just start talking to him. Yeah, there are like a lot of meandering elements to, yeah. to the book. The book in general, yeah. Yeah, and like that's that's part of why the adaptation to the movies work so well is because mm. they cut out a lot yeah. of that stuff that's just so slow. Yeah, and, and, and they also surfboard. Yeah, that's later. Yeah. yeah the, well, I'm just saying that's like what the elements of what made the, f- the films great. Sure, Legolas riding a shield. <laughs> a shield, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. A shield boarding, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he should have done Wait, that, 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 that Let me Let me be clear. Was that in the book or not? Um, I'm pretty sure. Wait, shoot. Is it in the book? I don't remember. Yeah, he writes, Legolas does a rad surfboard <laughs> trick going down the stairs at Helm's Deep. And he's Those got awesome words. sunglasses on. And oh my God, all the orcs are looking at him like, man, I wish Saruman made us to be that cool. Yeah, it says Legolas is a fucking badass <laughs> killing all those narc uruks. Yeah. yeah, and then and then as he gets close to the bottom, uh, uh, he winks at Eowyn and is like, "Hey, watch this!" And he does a sick shield kickflip, and the the board uh, chops an orc's head off, and then he lands back on it and is like, uh, uh, "What's a cool one liner?" He says, uh, "Nailed cool it." One liner. Yeah. Oh, that's nailed a, it. Yep. Yeah. Shielded it. She. 
Geo, save us. You're, you're the one who's good with one-liners. Give it to us. Uh, this is a lot of pressure to put on him. I think we shouldn't do this. Shielded. He's going to buckle. See, he buckled. He did the same thing as me, though. Yeah, but we had higher expectations for him. And so... Yeah, but this means I'm elevated, I think. I think this feels good for me. Sure. And I'm okay just being neutral for kicking mm-hmm. this thing off. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited that you know, he's exciting, skateboarding, badass Legolas. Uh, Legolas inv- invented skateboarding. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he actually did it with the Ents. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ents have this connection with the elves, of course. And mm-hmm. so the Ents were really the ones doing it. Um, and they showed it to the elves. And the elves being the dickheads that they are, they were the ones who brought it public and claimed all of the initial... Maybe that was part of the trade. It's like, yo, you tree people, we'll teach you language. We'll make you less dumb and less just stupid. What do you got for us? And the ends, you know, they weren't able to speak yet because they didn't teach them things. And they're like... So the elves played them. Yeah, the elves played them. But the ends were basically like without speaking, like did a okay, watch this motion. Like, this is what we got. <laughs> and and Treebeard, in his prime, does the sickest fucking kickflip. And the elves I were like, it. holy shit, holy shit. That's the best thing since mm-hmm. Lomba spread. Um, but we're going to run with it. This is ours now, shield boarding. Yeah. Uh, we should also note that this happened a really long time ago. Treebeard is actually probably the oldest living thing in Middle-earth. Oh, is like, he from like the beginning of... Uh, yeah, he's like from this first ancient. age. And, Damn, yeah, and so... Lord of the Rings is split up into, yeah, ages. Yeah. There's the first yeah. age where a lot right. of the God, like a lot of yeah, the, the world creation, yeah. uh, Old mm-hmm. Testament type stuff happens. Yeah, it's like very large scale, hyper overpowered beings yeah. who are, you know, in conflict with one another. Right. Uh, each age is about 3,000 years, more okay. or less. So like there's a lot right. of time. And we're, we're in the third age? Yeah. Right. Uh, the third Lord of the Rings book and concludes the third age. Essentially. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. But w- the year we're in, in like the third age, is like three thousand nineteen, I believe. Right. Yeah, so I it's like right. it, it's still been another block yeah. of like three thousand years. And that's, uh, I, I recognize that as like one of the big elements of Lord of the Rings. It's like it's like you have these ancient creatures just kind of dying, or like at the end of their days, like you could, like there's a change in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which I guess is the whole like. I guess it's part of the whole Isengard thing in the ends, you know, like rapid industrialization and like the reaction of nature from that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think the industrialization is like a, a important part of the way the ends are incorporated into the story and the mm-hmm. environmentalism sort of factors of it. Um, but I think really, I, I know Tolkien in general and in this sort of uh, series of books, it's an anti-industrialist kind of thing in sure. a lot of places. Yeah. But I think the way that the ends are incorporated is very not well done for in terms of like defending environmentalism it feels like the ends are very forgotten characters in a lot of this story they don't really get to do anything a lot of their action happens off screen um and they really kind of a lot of stuff that um normally i feel like would be dealing more with the environmentalism and like giving the ends agency in the story are pretty ignored Mm -hmm. like the way um uh tolkien has like treebeard approach the way isengard is doing things Treebeard is more upset not at the fact that they're cutting all these trees down. Treebeard is upset that they're cutting some of the trees down and not doing anything with them. Like, he's not upset with the industrialization that's happening. He's upset that they're chopping down trees and it feels, like, kind of wasteful. Right. Even though, like, they are chopping down the entire forest, essentially. When was Lord of the Rings... um, I Done. think it wanna came out... I want to say it came out in, like, the 20s. It's post-World War I, for sure. That makes sense, yeah. Um, Yeah, because at that point, like... 
environmentalism was very nascent. Yeah, well, it's, uh, like, so, it's like a different. Yeah, so the Lord thing. of the Rings was published like uh, the first one was published in uh, 1948. Oh, okay, uh, which which I is thought. definitely later. But uh, like Tolkien, like we mentioned before, it he comes from a world of academia. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah like yeah. for decades he had been working on these things, and I think the Lord of the Rings is really interesting as uh, as like a. A product like yeah. as its own universe because it was something that it seemed like tolkien was always working on and never quite finished right yeah, yeah. No. he absolutely doesn't which i think also when you get into the ends they feel very incomplete especially yes. because you talked about looking into the silmarillion but one of the things about the silmarillion is it really doesn't say anything yeah. at all about the ends despite them being like one of the first things created and like treebeard is probably the oldest living creature that right. we know there's almost nothing about the ends uh, and kind of growing off of that, the Ent Wives, which is something we oh haven't God. mentioned oh, yet. Wow. But I have no idea what that is. Yeah, no, the Ents are the male iteration right. of this creature, and the Ent Wives, which I mean, you hear the name and already you're like, oh, okay, well, that's yeah. not yeah, great. It's more of like the afterthought. Yeah. yeah, but they're the female iteration of this creature, the species. Um, and so the Ent Wives are not present in Lord of the Rings at all. Because, it is, and it is amazing how they explain it in the movie, at least. Yeah, well, because I think it's just a one throwaway line, essentially, that Treebeard says, we've lost them. We can't find them. Not that, like, they're dead or, yeah. like, they were all murdered or anything. Yeah. They just lost them. Yeah. They yeah. don't know what happened. Yeah, he says, like, yeah, we lost them. Pippin's like, oh, I'm sorry, how did they die? And he goes, no, like, we lost them one day. Yeah, yeah like, just, he asks, we can't find them, yeah. which is, like, the weirdest yeah, you, you, thing you ever. Think there would be like, a lot of like sorrow about like where the fuck are yeah. you know, how are we gonna what's gonna happen to our species the entire female like part of our you know yeah and like they gear they gear it up to be like this really sad yeah. element that's like oh my god yeah the ends we can see they've lost stuff but now we're getting like a sad retelling yeah. and then it just so quickly shifts yeah. into nope we just lost we them. lost yeah them. and they're not concerned with it i yeah. mean i guess part of that could be that like they just live so long that it's yeah. less important to procreate for them but also still it's like right. you lost half of your species like that's not a great yeah. sign no yeah they, there's definitely like just a lackadaisical element to yeah. the ends like they like they know this is their land and stuff like that but yeah. they're yeah. they aren't uh in any way shape or form an aggressive faction within the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And that's something that's really interesting for me because the Lord of the Rings is, it's very black and white. Yeah. You know, all the stuff that comes out of Mordor, super bad. Yeah. It, Saruman falling to, you know, Sauron's influence and everything like that. Evil. Very, very clearly evil. Like, yeah. these are the people who want to bring the yeah. end of the world. And, you know, all of our heroes are are the good folks, right? The people yeah. we're rooting for, Frodo and Aragorn and yeah. Gandalf and everybody. But, the Ents exist in this weird space where they are like one of the true neutral factions right. within yeah. the Lord of yeah. the Rings, a, a story that is so obvious what the right answer is. Yeah, I mean, when they first bump into Treebeard and Merry and Pippin, I think one of the first things they ask is which side you're on. And Treebeard's response is, I'm on nobody's side because nobody is on my side. Nobody cares for the woods anymore yeah. because they really do exist in more of this gray space. And I think that's probably a large part of why Tolkien doesn't include them more is that you see like, the orcs tearing down Fangorn mm -hmm. Forest and how terrible that is for the environment. But presumably men and elves and people are tearing down a lot of things to perpetuate this war sure. as well. So if you incorporate the Ents at a deeper level, yeah. you've got to deal with that more. Yeah, and it's not to say that the Ents aren't facing similar challenges as the other races. Because yeah. in The Lord of the Rings, like when these books and the movies take place, 
there's this kind of massive existential dread to the entire universe. You know, mm, the farther right. we get away from, like, the first creation and stuff, the elves are so tied to the power of, like, these godly figures yeah. Yeah. that the farther we get, they lose their power. And so in The Lord of the Rings, this is sort of the fading of the elves. Yeah, and, and this, then they're leaving and stuff. Right, and this is sort of the beginning of the dominion of men. Yeah. I know that is something that is, like, directly yes. referenced as, right. like, you know, this destiny that men will take middle earth it mm-hmm. will be theirs but we see the elves fading we hear about the dwarves no longer being big players in the lord of the rings because you know oh they've given into their greed and stuff like that right, right. and granted there probably are still dwarves out there because gimli is clearly a dwarf so they're somewhere mm-hmm. but they're not super entwined with the conflict of the lord of the rings right the Ents are facing such a similar circumstance to, say, the Elves or anyone else mm-hmm. who has something to lose, right. where this expansion of Mordor and all of these evil forces, it's directly putting the Ents in what will be like an extinct yeah, zone. They're ex- they're, they're yeah. It's just so interesting that... They're, they're the, facing their extinction with such apathy. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. And like they're also these creatures that have endured so much throughout the lord of the ring or throughout uh-huh. the history of lord of the rings like oh my god like sauron is super evil mm. but melkor who is the bad guy before him yeah. like the evil god it was so much more wrath and hellfire mm-hmm. but they lived through that and so for this it's just so interesting that they are still this neutral party yeah well because you talk about their doom and um like in th- this is another divergence sort of between the books and the movies is when the end concludes in the movies the ends have basically decided oh we're not going to participate in this destruction of isengard like it's not really our business it doesn't matter too much and then treebeard ends up walking by isengard he sees firsthand what's happening and so that sort of turns the tide and that flips them in the books they're much more like they finish the ant and they're like all right we're doing it um and so they're going straight into action Mm -hmm. but part of like this idea of doom like they are very conscious of the fact that they're marching to their doom. But if they don't march to their doom in that instance, the way that we watch all of these other ends mm-hmm. have died over time, they basically just turn into trees is essentially what it is. They become more tree-ish is how it's described. And um, there's a couple of the like particularly older ends, like Treebeard is talking about like his oldest friends. Like, I think Quickbeam maybe is one of the names of them. Mm-hmm. But like he basically just becomes more like a tree because he's old and he's tired. And so like he doesn't wake up anymore. He just yeah. stays quiet and is just where he was also can we talk about how yeah his friend's name is quick beam quick beam absolutely sounds like the name of a transformer it sounds like it, it would be like a decepticon yeah. like I, I could see what's his name what's oh god what's the big guy's optimus name optimus prime no no megatron. no the megatron i could totally see yeah. megatron being like adjective beam. noun yeah and then sound wave. you know quick beam like flying off because he's a jet because all the decepticons yeah. are jets and just be like wah, 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 blah. yeah well, I think also like with the way ants operate, like all of them basically. <gasps> well, if you think about it, aren't ants just transformers? Yeah, they do. Transform Fuck, they're natural transformers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, they yeah. don't really take on different forms too well. They're just kind of tree or tree with arms. Well, they become bipedal. They're like stealth transformers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, like if I don't, yeah. know, I don't know transformers at all. Okay, so I, I thought about this the other day when I was watching the two towers, and uh-huh. just because of scale, like how large Treebeard is, right. and you know, because the voice is deep and booming, I thought, all right, who wins in a fight between Treebeard and Optimus Prime? And Optimus, Prime. yeah, like part of well, me, yeah. part of me says Optimus Prime definitely because he's got he's like guns and weapons, yeah. and he's a robot, right? But oh my god, you know how fun that would be to see Treebeard like wallop some Optimus ass? Yeah. He's too slow. Yeah, he's too slow. Uh, 
But what, like, what, what are end uppers? Like, what uppers can he take to fight Optimus Prime? Well, it's just like when they get super uh, angry, cocaine. they like harvest the energy of a tree, as I understand it. And what? so, like, when he swings his arm and stuff, it's like this is the energy of like a tree having built up for like years and years. Oh, that's cool. Like that was what, like Gambit. Like he's storing kinetic energy. <laughs> I think that's essentially Holy what it is. Shit. As I understood it. Maybe I misread something, but it's they like stored power. Yeah, so basically. Cool. So like when they get angry, like all of it bursts out at once. And that's why they're so particularly strong. Holy like, shit. That's why they right. can throw these boulders that are like the size of an sure. entire ant. Wait, hang on. That well, actually... I, don't know, I don't know if that's literal. That could be like metaphorical language. That could be. Yeah. Sure, but that also makes the ants really scary because like they if, if they've got this like weird reserve of tree energy that has built right. up for thousands of mm-hmm. years. Well, I think it plays off of the don't be hasty thing because yeah. you can only use that energy so much. Sure. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, like you're just blowing it and you're not strong and, you know, just burning energy on nothing. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna decide that Treebeard definitely crushes Optimus with this weird. Res- like, he's okay. still too slow. It, yeah. But what if Treebeard could just like hang he's out a for truck, two, three thousand years, and like he knows he's gonna gear up for this fight with Optimus? I mean, Optimus just has to stay kind of far away. Three thousand years of prep time. <laughs> he's just like, hold up, uh, hold up, uh, hold up, Optimus. Wait, that's more. Optimus. You got yeah, that was yeah, You got to speak while breathing in. Hold up. <laughs> did you guys know that's john reese davies oh yeah of course okay. and like the, Ooh, this yeah, time i rewatched it i i think i noticed it more because i'm not a kid anymore sure. and i was like holy shit this is weird like voice modulated yeah. gimli is talking to the hobbits yeah and there's also some point too where gimli is like he makes some comment about the trees in the end he's like oh they're so stupid what do they have to talk about other than the consistency of squirrel droppings and i'm like <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah that's even better since i know Treebeard is yeah. him <laughs> that is a good line yeah he's shading himself yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gimli hate tree, but yeah. Gimli hate Gimli? Oh my god. Yeah. But like the trees also, they basically, the, well, the ants. The ants take on yeah. the different forms of the trees that they are. So like I think tree beer, I don't remember what type of tree he is actually. He's maybe like an oak or something. Mm-hmm. And there's some trees that are like an ash. And so they sort of embody Ooh. like whatever tree they happen to like be. And that's who they take care of. Um, right. And so I just like outside of Lord of the Rings, like what does a palm tree ant look like? <laughs> Oh shit, that would be really cool actually. Yeah. Yeah. Tall tall. I mean it's yeah. executive is what it looks yeah. like. Fuck me. It's a Pokemon. Yeah. yeah, basically. It's just a Pokemon. Yeah. But also the in the minimal uh description of how the Entwives work, um, they're basically the Ents enjoy big trees. They enjoy mm-hmm. being part of forests. Wow. While the Entwives enjoy smaller things. They enjoy small trees and bushes and things that you can grow on a farm. And so they kind of, as I understood it, they embody more of a physicality of those things. Mm. So like... Like shrubbery? Yeah. So if you're like the corn entwive, then like you take on like the shape of what a corn plant would be, I guess. Like it's never explicitly described. God, I, um, I love how fucking vague Tolkien yeah. can be yeah, about it's a lot shit. of metaphorical language. Well, if you look at like what uh, Tolkien actually has to say about the Antwives and the Ents in particular, like he just didn't put a lot of effort and thought right. into them, I think for the most part. And it's, so at some point down the line, someone actually asked him like, Hey, what did happen to the Antwives? Cause like, you're what? very vague about it. Isn't, like, it. isn't that a lot of like, like, like Tolkien is just like, he just kind of wrote something and people are like, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that he's mean? Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But like for the Antwives, he, Someone asked him about him. He said, I think the fact that the Entwives have disappeared for good, being destroyed with the Garden in the War of the Last Alliance. Some may have fled east or even have become enslaved. Like, he doesn't even know what yeah. happened to the Entwives. He's like, I think this is what happened, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really interest me. I don't, I don't really want to write about it. And so, just like, 
half of this mm-hmm. huge species, the female half right. of it. He's just like, eh, a literal, I don't know, literal embodiment of the na- of, na- of the natural world. Yeah, like the mother Given nature stand in yeah. is like, ah, it's not a big deal yeah. to me. Which is like part of like why I think he fails and sort of comes up short when he tries sure. to talk about the environmentalism yeah. stuff in these stories because he just like he doesn't seem particularly interested in grappling with it. He's like, I right. know this is an issue. I'm going to put the ends in here and talk about how they're trying to defeat Saruman for putting this up, but like. I don't know. I don't really want to think about it. Yeah, it, it's like a little half baked for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, God, I think, I think even the very kitschy way that, like, Star Wars Episode Six deals with environmentalism with mm. like the Ewoks and like all oh, these, oh well, yeah, these <laughs> little things that are holding onto nature, like yeah. that feels a little more direct in yeah. in protect the environment than like say how the Ents are handled uh, more so throughout the book with just how even apathetic mm-hmm. tolkien is towards them and like yeah. continuing to write about them yeah right. i mean granted in the movie they do have this big cinematic moment which is like you know the last march of the ants where they mm. do actually go down yeah and they fuck shit up yeah it's Isengard. a pretty badass yeah. battle too yeah like it is it is wicked and like some of the imagery there is so cool because it's like you have orcs that don't know how to fight trees mm. and so some of them start lighting the trees on fire, fire. trying yeah. to like hack that's at them one of, with that's axes. one of the things i remember is like 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 an ant like on fire yeah yeah and i remember as a kid like that made me so so sad yeah, like i too. hated seeing yeah, that yeah, ant yeah. on fire it was depressing. but then it's very okay because you know release the river yeah. and they yeah. break the dam and then and then the tree, and then yeah. you can see him like it's not even like a, <laughs> it's just like oh, water yeah it's such yeah. a funny <laughs> shot like just dunks his head in yeah. all of the ants like dunk themselves to get the orcs off them and then like off screen you see this one and yeah. who is still on fire right. just completely wash himself and yeah. it's like oh you're fine yeah. yeah you're good yeah i also think like the imagery of that battle is super cool just like the way that you see the ends like tear everything down yeah. and the water rushes down at them right. and you see them like plant themselves in the ground yeah. essentially yeah. with their feet like yeah. it's such a cool way of like making them feel like tree people essentially right. Yeah, and the, and the and the the river coming back—that's another like yeah. part of the the environment or you know the the anti-industrialism. Yeah, and like it power just, of just based on the visual, like Isengard it becomes horrifying looking. Right. Like Isengard yeah. starts off yeah. as like almost this sanctuary of rare plants surrounding right. this massive black tower. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's one of the things I like most about the the, uh, the the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings. It's just like the visual language of like like I was you know I was very young when I first saw, it, but I was like I got it immediately. Like Isengard blackness you know dis- destruction of trees like you just you just like that that the anti the you know the industrialization the yeah the, the destruction of nature thing you just get like yeah visually it's so mm-hmm. obvious what's happened right. here like yeah. i i watched lord of the rings when i was a kid when i was like five and mm-hmm. i so quickly understood oh yeah, oh yeah this is yeah i didn't know how to say oh yeah that's industrialization right, i was yeah. just like sure oh they're doing bad things to nature and they're yeah. making machines you know um but yeah, no, like that's some powerful stuff, especially with like the river flooding all of these crazy trenches that they've built to basically chop down trees and uh, birth Urukai. Yeah. yeah. They're like getting them out of the mud. Yeah, they're like using the trees and yeah. they're like scooping uh, yeah, them I out. I don't of... get that, but I'm sure we'll get that to it whenever we get to an Urukai episode. Yeah. Sure, yeah, because the Uruks are <laughs> yeah. like very fascinating. Yeah. As... They're very, they're very interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like that's such a great moment where the Ents finally do. They get to stand up and fight back against the yeah. things that have been destroying them. Yeah, and I I think throughout Lord of the Rings, it Lord of the Rings from the Fellowship to Return of the King, it's such a long fight, and yeah, everywhere it is colored that uh, the good guys are basically up against their ends wits. Yeah. Like they are outnumbered. They're all facing their doom. That's like a big thing. Yeah, of it. exactly. And like 
all the hope is put into this one little hobbit. Mm. It's actually two hobbits because right. Sam is definitely like yeah. the more fucking important one. Very right. fair. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, these two little creatures who are taking this weapon of power basically to mm-hmm. inside hell, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so cool that the Ents can show up and they are so strong and powerful. Like, they shut down Isengard. Isengard is not a problem after yeah. after the two towers. Yeah. And granted, sure, it's because most of the forces were off at Helm's Deep, mm-hmm. but Saruman in the movies, it, like, that's it for him. Yeah. Granted, in the yeah. books, he comes back and tries messing around with the Shire in the end, which is just a ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it, oh, it's so oh. dumb. It, it's like such a tacked on, like, hang on, last conflict yeah. that is in no way the same scale. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if like Tolkien was like a more modern fantasy writer, he would like have this amazing like climax with Isengard and the, the trees and stuff, but it just kind of like uh, he comes back in the Shire. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, because I remember I read the books when I was younger and I was basing everything off of the movies as well. Mm-hmm. And because yeah, they're same. movies, they're very constructed to have beginning, middles, and ends mm-hmm. to each, you know, each movie. Yeah. Um, but man, the books are not like that. Yeah, very, very wandering. Me- meandering and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you look at the, like, the primary chapter with the ends too, like, there's a lot of just kind of stopping, like, Treebeard, Mary, and Pippin are like, oh, let's go hang out at Treebeard's end mm-hmm. home. And it's like, what the yeah. hell is an end home? Now, it's kind of just like a hole in a mountain, basically. I'm sorry. I'm starting to see why the hippies, like, picked up Tolkienism in, like, the 70s. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like they kind of just hang out there and Treebeard is like, he's got a table and he's got a bed, but he doesn't have chairs. And so he like picks up Mary and Pippin and puts them onto his table and like, they just hang out there and they drink the Ent drought, I think is the name of, um, the drink that Treebeard and the other Ents have. Okay. So they do, they do have Ent sauce. They do have Ent sauce. Yeah. Oh shit. Uh, but there's like two different versions of it. One of them I think is for nourishment and one of them is for like refreshing or something like these two drinks. Interesting. Um, And so in the extended version of the movies, you kind of see it a little bit like it comes from like a river or something like that. They drink Mary and Pippin drink it and it makes them bigger. Um, And so that's right. Yeah. And so they're the tallest hobbits that there are because they drank the Ent drought. Um, But there's a lot of just like wandering and like not really much going on. Five foot. (laughs) I don't think it's even that tall because I think in the movie they argue about being like three eight and three nine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he he's like Four he's like how tall are you? It's like oh I've always been three six or something. Yeah, he's like you've got to be three eight now. Yeah. It's like yeah. oh okay, whoa. whoa man, it's such a weird gag too. Yeah, like it, that is definitely one of the extended edition mm-hmm. scenes that I mean it gives the movie nothing. Yeah. If anything, it hurts it because you have this moment that is weirdly lighthearted and goofy mm. and transitions to like, oh, wait, we're being eaten by one of the trees. And then Treebeard shows up and is like, oh, stop that. And yeah. basically frees Marion Pippin. Yeah. And then that goes nowhere else. Yeah. There's a lot of like weird wandering stuff in the extended edition that's like there for humor. But this yeah. entire chapter is basically just like, weird humor with Treebeard saying like bizarre stuff like they march somewhere and he's like oh this is 70,000 end strides that I just counted that we went to I don't know what that is in your terms of measurement though <laughs> it's like well why is this even here why are we talking about how far he walked and just like there's a lot of things where like Treebeard will talk about his end wife he's clearly very horny for his end wife that he <laughs> has not seen in a long time frick I do not remember that it's, it's very weird how he talks about her he's just like oh, I really miss her but then he doesn't really have anything to say about her. He's just like, I miss being with my ent wife. So, so, so the ent and the ent wives, they pair bond? Is that what we kind of get the implication of? I don't know. I suppose so. I don't yeah. think it's ever explicitly stated. I right. mean, he's like explicitly lusting after this one particular yeah. ent wife, but it's never like, oh, this was my yeah. ent wife. 
um, which I guess is also like a weird phrase to have said, yeah, this yeah. is my ant wife, because yeah. that's the name of the species as yeah. well. It sounds much too possessive. Um, but the ant wives, the way that they operated is like they split off from the ants mm-hmm. at a certain point because they liked different things like the ant wives, like yeah. these sort of smaller, like mm-hmm. more agricultural stuff. And so the ant wives actually apparently had like a lot of interaction with humans and they taught them a lot about agriculture. Oh, um, that's a cool spin. Yeah, which is something that's kind of interesting that is very, very lightly touched on. Right. Um, and I don't think maybe it's in the Silmarillion. I'm not really sure which body of work it comes from. Um, but that like the ant wives are so essential to teaching men how to basically settle down and live off of their own land they're on and not being hunter gatherers. Is, is there is there any themes of like man being part of the destruction of ants or is that exclusively like the the dark forces of Mordor? Really? I don't I don't think Tolkien really touches on it at all, which yeah. I think is part of the issue with how he doesn't really confront right what this means. Sure. And and a lot of a lot of the Lord of the Rings we hear about these these foretellings, almost these prophecies mm-hmm. that Middle Earth is going to become the dominion of men. Yeah. We see that with the elves leaving yeah. and, you know, especially after the War of the Ring. Um, right. Men are running shit. Yeah. But it's weird because Lord of the Rings treats that as such an uplifting thing. Yeah, I was going like, to ask that. Like, is like how is that like... Pre- yeah, it's, it's definitely like... For mankind, it's great. It's like, okay, cool. Right. You're finally in a position where yeah. you have a real stake in the world rather than being mm-hmm. almost second that's, that's, to elves. That's that, that very, um, like, there's a lot of, I feel like, Europe, European paternalism. In, because because yeah, he's Tolkien, sure. yeah. Tolkien, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's, he's an Englishman. Like, World War Two. there's like the whole, like, uh, you know, uh, embodiment of English valor and stuff. Yes, exactly. And it, there's never really a spin of, okay, now that this is the dominion of men, mm-hmm. what does that mean for yeah. the world? It's always just I was gonna say the, le- the, the, the leaving of the elves. It, it just seems more like it's not like tragic. It's more like uh, what's that word? Like melancholy. Yeah, definitely. They're not. They're not dead. They're not like oh, this is the end of thing. It's like it's like they're just moving on, and yeah. you feel the world change, but it's not like just you know despair. It's just like uh, you know. Yeah, and like the elves' departure. When we say departure mm-hmm. from Middle Earth, that's literally what we mean. They're not committing mass suicide. They're yeah, literally leaving. boarding boats. Yeah. That, leaving the world. Yeah. yeah, like they are leaving Middle Earth. They are going to like mm-hmm. this the Grey Havens to right. Valinor, which are it's sort of like an afterlife for them. Yeah, is, is, is it is it is it melancholic? Like the only, oh, yeah. the only reason I get that is from like the movie because it's it's portrayed very like you know. You get that theme, and I don't know if that's the same way it's portrayed in the book. It, yeah, it is, and a lot of it is like the elves are brutally aware that mm-hmm. uh, the influence they have on Middle Earth is, is, is dwindling, yeah. and because a lot of their their power and like their connection with nature is tied to like these god figures mm-hmm. who are less powerful with every passing age, right. they're they're not the main player in this world anymore. And so for them, it's it's very sad, especially for, you know, elves are immortal in The Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, because they live for so long and they have also shut themselves off from the world, they know they're not players anymore. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's definitely uh, a sad tone for the elves. Mm-hmm. Like they know it's only inevitable that they're losing this world. Yeah, I mean, you talk about how there's like this sort of sadness that comes with the elves leaving the ants, of course, live for an extremely long time as well, being that Treebeard right. is probably the oldest creature living in Middle Earth. But at the end of The Return of the King in the books, at least, there's this moment, as I kind of understand it, that Aragorn goes and talks to Treebeard and he's like, hey, do you want to like be more incorporated into things that are going on? And Treebeard's like, no, not really. I think we're kind of just going to dwindle off and we're going to we're gonna be done here in yeah. Fangorn. They're, it's just like this accepting of this uh, fate yeah, that, all, that yeah, all the ants are just kind of going to turn tree-ish. And that's going to be it. The ants yeah. are going to be done. There's no like 
moment of send off like the elves get the answer just over yeah and i i've never really known if this was tolkien's intention or not mm. but when i was a kid you know i would obsess over like the map of middle earth and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. and i remember one of the biggest things i asked myself when i was it's the a first kid, thing you see in the book yeah you start off with the map yeah exactly one of the things i asked myself as a kid is like why is it called middle earth why didn't he call it anything else why didn't he make up a name for yeah, it and sure. so i've always explained this to myself is like middle earth is this this myth of our world mm-hmm. before our world was ever a thing like that's always how i've understood yeah, that's, it that's how, that's kind of what i uh, uh understood as a child as well right and it you know it a lot of that makes sense especially with Mm -hmm. oh this is now the dominion of men and all of these fantastical elements that make the lord of the rings a fantasy right at the end of the third age those things are going away like this world is becoming so much more grounded yeah exactly and so you know i i i don't really know like why i jumped into that necessarily but i i think the ends are such an interesting part of that because right. they are one of these last elements of magic in the world. They are walking, talking trees. Yeah. And for them to just sort of say, yeah, they're resigning oh, themselves. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that's okay. Like yeah. our time's up. It, it's so strange yeah. that like, that's, that's the idea. And you know, throughout sci-fi fantasy, mankind is always portrayed as like this, this faction that will always, always, always fight back to keep at stake. Mm-hmm. There are times where men are like the underdogs and stuff like that, but there's a persistence to mankind that in Lord of the Rings, outside of men, you don't really see that. Everyone's just mm-hmm. sort of cool to peace out. Right. Yeah. It's just so interesting. It's it's, it's actually also pretty. Uh, it's it, it's pretty Christian. Like like uh, this is like maybe maybe coming back to that last episode we talked about, like the 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 Adam and Eve thing, right? Where, where like you know God like gives the world to to man, and th- sure. in this case. Man is taking over the world, and they're just like, okay, you have it. Right, like the world is okay looking yeah, at that just and being like, like yep, it's okay. Yours. Yeah, it's all yours. Yeah, there's like, granted there was conflict with like the enemy and yeah. stuff like that with Sauron, but yeah, once they have it, it's yeah. like, cool, all right. Yeah, we're- the, I mean, the, the world itself gives itself to it, you know, the the, 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 the forces of Sauron are like some other, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, and I mean, people like the ends don't seem terribly concerned with yeah. the goings on of the world. They're only upset about things that happen once, like the forest gets cut down. Exactly. But even to say that, like before, like all of this stuff with Isengard and Saruman starts happening, like the, their forest has been dramatically cut down yeah. because the forest used to run all the way up to the Shire, and which like, includes ma- uh, man, yeah, uh, tons like of Rohan, yeah, yeah. yeah, and like all this other space, and like I guess it just didn't really bother Treebeard, yeah. maybe that like all of this other stuff was chopped down. Um, but they're like, the ends are just a very passive part of this world for the most part until someone like Mary and Pippin come along and are like, Hey, actually like you guys are going to die if like you keep being this passive. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it kind of just plays off this idea that like the men are very much the dominant, uh, part of the story, even if Frodo is maybe the main character. Uh, right. I'm starting to think about that too, because what you said is kind of making me reframe what I think. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that all of this world is just okay, that men are going to take over. But I think that's also an important distinction that the rest of the world, they're not men. And so they may not yeah. be as interested as like holding on and like trying to survive like this perseverance. Maybe for them, mm-hmm. it's like, to me, it's sad because that's how society has worked for mankind, like yeah. in the real world. Right. Um, but maybe that's just like a different way of thinking. That's like when our time's up, our time's up and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of a question of like how immortality works, especially with someone like the elves or the yeah. tree or literal, literal immortals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the Lord of the Rings, it's it, 
men are special because the main god who created them, Iluvatar, gives men it's the gift of men, yeah. which right. is mortality, which is like, oh, that's such a weird thing. But I think that makes them push, always push right. to do something yeah. new in their own lifetime. Mm-hmm. Whereas the elves, yeah, they can they can hang out in the forest forever or yeah. nearly forever and they don't have fine. to be hasty. Yeah. No, they don't. It's yeah. their it's their well, it's the mankind's haste because of their mortality that makes them, you know, their their gift essentially. Right. Yeah. And that makes the ends particularly frustrating to Mary and Pippin is that yeah. like they do move so slowly on everything because they don't have to move any sort of quickly because they've got all the time in the world. Right. And even the hobbits are like, yeah, the hobbits are comparatively like, yeah, they're an interesting lax. parallel yeah. even to the ends because it, no one knows about the Shire. Like yeah. when, when the hobbits tell people they're from the Shire, they're like, oh, where the heck is that? Yeah. Shire is unknown. People, a lot of the people in Middle Earth have never seen a hobbit. Yeah. They're like, yeah. what, what are you? Um, yeah, they're fine doing their own thing. Yeah. But they also have like this mortality element to them as well. And so mm-hmm. I think when the hobbits are thrust into, oh, we got to destroy the ring, they're like, yeah, sure, we get it. Yeah. Everything's going to end. And for the hobbits, at least, it's more of, I don't want to lose my way of life. Yeah. I don't well, want to lose that's, like, that's the whole out. thing. They're like provincial Englishmen, basically. Yeah. 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 Because a, a lot of these factions are just based off of historical, like English culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it occurred to me for the first time on this viewing, having not watched in a very long time, that the Eagles are very clearly America. And that just didn't <laughs> occur to me before for some reason. Holy shit, they are. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's actually really in your face. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't catch that. Even it's like a 11-year-old. Holy crap, you're right. They'll just fly in at the 11th hour. Yeah. and everybody, everybody else in Europe is dying. Yeah. <laughs> Their blood is spilled. And they're like... Eagles. Oh my god, you're right. Like the entire yeah. battle at the Black Gate, it's yeah. like they are losing, and then at some point the Eagles show up and it's like, okay, this is much better for us. Yeah, yeah they just saved the day and it's like, oh, okay, well, American greatness, whatever. Yeah. Holy crap. So yeah. so is, is Minister, uh, Minister, is that like the Soviet Union? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's London. It's gotta be London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's being bombed and then yeah. they, you know, show up and save it That's or whatever. True. Right. There, yeah. There, there's no way there's no way uh like Tolkien would have like much uh reverence for the Soviets. Uh yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. very clearly. Especially that at that is, time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Gondor is very clearly just like, oh, these are the best of the good guys. Yeah. And, the, 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 the Londoners. And it's so funny to me that like Askeliath, which is the city that yeah. takes the brunt of the attack up until like Minas Tirith is actually attacked. Mm-hmm. Askeliath is just like a throwaway city. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, this is the city that we can see from where our giant yeah, city Paul, is. Yeah, the geography is yeah. really ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's like we can see everything and we can get there in 10 minutes riding. Like yeah. it takes no time to get to Askeliath. Yeah. Totally fine if it gets sieged left and right. <laughs> Ten yeah. minutes riding, and they're just like, "Oh, that's that's next door." They're like, "Whatever." <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. finding Gondor. You know? Yeah, they're like, "Have you seen our city? It's yeah. like eight billion stories yeah, tall." We have a tree. Oh yeah, yeah the dead white tree. <laughs> yeah. I wonder yeah. if that tree is an end. Ooh, I don't think it is. No, but I uh, thinking about it, I don't know what Fangorn and the Ents necessarily represent, other than you know the Ents are clearly like a mother nature sort right, of yeah, thing. Yeah, but yeah. I don't yeah. know if they really represent any sort of faction in like the entirety of like the fighting because like they show up and they just like the march to Arsen- isengard is like the last march of the yeah. ends they're marching to their doom but then like as it's presented like the ends just run through everything that happens in isengard like it's not a tough battle for them yeah they they stiff arm the shit out of everyone there yeah. yeah and like especially in the movie i don't think any of them even die like i think they're pretty much set to like go it. and yeah. like part of that is that a lot of the urukai have gone off to fight helms deep but it's also just like they're so strong and they're so big that like the the orcs can't really do anything to them. Like 
you set them mm-hmm. on fire, you chop at them. Like you're not actually going to chop a limb off. You're not actually going to like burn it to death. Yeah. yeah. Like those trees are so, I think it's so funny when you see those orcs, right. like they jump, they literally jump and tackle uh, like one of the ends and they're trying to chop at him with axes and they're right. doing nothing. Yeah. Like for a moment, it's like, oh, this is sad. This ant might die. And it's like, no, he's yeah, it's, not. It's, it's, he's, he's, he's good. Yeah. It's, uh, I just, I'm, I'm not sure what Fangorn and Treebeard and the Ents necessarily stand in for, I guess, mm-hmm. um, other than a very generic mother nature and the ability to just like wipe through uh, mankind because I don't if know. If it I so mean, pleases. Yeah. yeah. Mother nature is like the strongest force there is, but mother nature is staying out of things, yeah. I suppose, is probably the conclusion I'm coming yeah. to on air. Right. Right. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Ents are weird, man. Yeah. Because they're, they're just such an aside character that is so powerful for this one interaction. Very yeah. brief. Yeah. It, and they wreck. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, well, we're out. It's also an interesting thing. It's like they're, they're so powerful when they're active, but like their they're, um, death is specific. Like being passive is their death. Yeah. And then they resign to that. There's like a whole... Yeah, they don't mind. There's a lot of themes about that. Yeah. As, as, as far as the nature allegory. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as long as they are on screen too, they're just... Like they do so little, like so yeah. much of their time is just like, oh, we're talking in a different language. And like, I guess we haven't touched on this at all, but Treebeard is a very big poet. Um, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he loves to go on about his yeah. poetry and like, I don't know, I'm not a big poetry guy. So I kind of just space out through a lot of it, but he yeah, likes to sing about kind of, or poet, poeticize. Deliver. <laughs> I mean, deliver is probably the right word, but I wanted a more poetic way of yeah. delivering it. Um, but anyway, I mean, he talks about like his old end Recite? wife and yeah. he loves nature and whatever. And it's just like, he's not really adding anything by going through all this poetry. It's just There's like so this... much poetry in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. The yeah. It's I, very I've, ornate. I've always like toned out, like just like if I like read through, maybe I'll understand it, but just like, I, I can't get this right now. I'm just going to read the book. Yeah. We're two, we're simpletons over yeah. here. At least the two we're of just, us are. I don't know. Just, Anthony we're, might. Just, we're just hobbits. Uh, I, I know when I read through the Lord of the Rings as a kid, like I, re- I, I definitely poured through like those more uh, elaborate and flowery like excerpts, yeah. um, especially when you get into like the elves and like the runes and Moria and things like oh, that. God. Like uh, to me, that was really cool when I was a kid because I was a goddamn nerd. Yeah, yeah, I was a big old nerd. Um, I mean, there's also just like a funny aside story. Like when I was in the third grade, my best friend Sid and I. Uh, we're trying to learn Elvish. We were trying to learn Quenya oh so god. that we could pass notes to each other. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, fucking dorks. Yeah, and like, Holy uh, what you and it? I would have been giving you nuggies. Yeah. yeah, and what is it based off of? Because uh, <laughs> Tolkien was a linguist, right? Yeah. He was like, That's he was so a nerdy, professor. Dude. I was of language. learning Klingon. You were learning Elvish. Ugh. Yeah, but like Quenya is it, that's the Elvish language. Yeah. It's it's based off of like quinoa. Yeah, quinoa. They speak quinoa, yes. Quinoa. But it was it was more based around Finnish. So like Sid yeah. and I were basically kind of teaching ourselves like rough Finnish. Um until <laughs> I didn't actually know that. Oh yeah. Until like a parent teacher conference and like the week before our teacher totally caught us writing notes. Mm. And so she told both of our parents, she's like, I have no idea what yeah. language this is. Uh, but your two kids are definitely passing notes. My guess is it's Lord of the Rings because yeah. those books, they bring them to class every day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, no, the, your teacher was just very anti-Finnish. And like, your, your son's learning Finnish. This is unacceptable <laughs> in this classroom. Yeah, she hates the Finns, I yeah. guess. Um, but yeah, we had to stop. And like, I don't remember any of it now, but I remember like pouring through the books and really trying to work through some of these more difficult pieces. What you should have learned was Entish. Yeah, yeah I should have just learned how you to just, like, grunt and rumble 
like these weird deep low frequency noises at sid from across the room and he could respond in turn i mean it's unlearnable for anyone outside of the ensign trees that's pretty cool yeah (laughs) Uh, okay are there if you could uh sort of sign us off maybe by speaking the entish that you've learned uh shoot yeah i mean i can give it the old college try right or you can at least try elvish i think the ents like elvish uh no, I'm not. I don't want to do that. Now I'm on the spot. Now, now I'm afraid to do that. You're a coward. Uh, Maybe recite a poem for us. Um, you think trees are your ally? Trees. I was born among them, <laughs> molded by them. I didn't see industrialization <laughs> till I was a man. By then, it was nothing more than blinding. <laughs> That's good. How many fucking times are we going to do Bane? How many times every, are we going to do episode. Tom Hardy's yeah. Bane in this thing? Isengard, it's yours. <laughs> Can you do the Treebeard version where you still speak on the inhale? I can't do that. I don't think... Can humans speak on the inhale? Yeah, Treebeard does. Mm, I can't do it. That was an exhale. Yeah, that I, it also wasn't speaking. Yeah. No. <laughs> you just said... <laughs> just grunted all right well i think this is all we've got today for uh talking about ends um so it's <laughs> the worst way to end well, no, you get to enjoy all of our beautiful voices saying these well not my voice but your guys voice is doing your impression yeah. wait hang on you have to try one now yeah because it's my, only it's only us just fucking up and like trying to do something yeah well, yeah now i drawn the attention onto me which uh, was the mistake yeah <laughs> do it do what do it do it do give us an net voice all right, here, comes. Into here comes. Here, here comes. Oh, I'm Wait, so excited. What do I have to say for this? Uh, maybe say like a line he tells Pippin or Mary or something like that. Yeah. Like, don't be so hasty. What was it? That's a good breathing. Don't be hasty. It was so bad. I don't. I guess I can't breathe mm-hmm. or do, speak on the inhale. Yeah. All right. It's really well, hard. We, yeah. We can. We can always cut this. You know. We can just truncate it. I will. F- fucking fight you i will fight you i w- hmm. all right you know what yeah that's gonna do it for this week on that absolute zinger end it on that. i'm gonna end it on that oh my <gasps> god you're gonna truncate it get it everyone because it's a tree joke i don't get it it's talking Mary. the tree is talking Hey there, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at CompendiumCast or by our email, thecreaturecompendium at gmail.com. We'd love to hear ideas for future episodes from you. And if you're enjoying the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This show is produced by Anthony Lopez. Principal research for the episode was done by Hawkins Dubois. And we record this bad boy in L.A. Bye.